Amen. Hey, once again, we in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. That's right. It's voodoo, vampires, and the rise of demon worship is our topic, okay? And again, this is in our cult section, right? The occult section, we've already done with the world religions. We've done with the, the cults, the pseudo-false Christian groups, and now we're in the cults. We did 20 weeks on witchcraft, 16 on Satanism, and 5,322 on this one. I'm just warning you. I don't know how many, but boy, it's turned out way bigger than I thought. But that's right. We've already dealt with the existence of demons. Why do we even have to deal with that? Well, once again, what's the stat? And apparently you always have to draw it on this side of the board. 65% of the professing church does not believe in a literal devil. Do you think they believe in demons? Are you kidding me? Unfortunately, and you wonder why they're having a heyday. So we dealt with the existence of demons. Then we dealt with their character. Then we dealt with their tactics. And then the last several times, we've been dealing with the history of this. And we begin to answer, hopefully, the question, how in the world do we get in this mess? Not just in the world, but in the church, where people actually doubt these things, these entities called demons that are in the Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. How can you do that as a Christian? Okay, and then how did it become so apparent that they've now infiltrated not just the world, but the church, just like witches and Satanists have? And that's what we've been dealing with the history section. We've been seeing that, well, how did it happen? Well, it started uh, roughly around the 1700s time frame by these guys, the Romantics. These were the uh, birthplace of the people who basically started Satanism as we know it today. Now, they were influenced by a couple of different movements that got people away from the Scripture. The first one was called the Rationalists, and these were the movements that came along. No, no, no. We don't discover and determine truth by this book anymore. No, no. We do it by man's brain. That's the rationalist. That was that movement that began to infect people's minds to turn away from the Bible. The second movement at the same time was called the empiricist. They said, no, no, no. We don't figure truth by the Bible or even by your brain. It's all about experience. Okay, and that's huge today. People still, unfortunately, uh, gauge truth by that. Then we saw that at the same time, this gave birth to another thing that caused people to reject the Bible even more, okay, because their brain told them something else, and that's the lie of evolution, okay? And then we saw this gave birth to spiritualism. Spiritualism is basically in people who now discern truth by demons. They're looking at truth, beginning contact with, quote, spirits beyond the grave. As we saw, if you hear something, if there's something, a voice or a genuine apparition, it's not chicanery. It's not that person. When you die as a Christian, you go to heaven. If you're not a Christian, you go to hell and you ain't coming back. These are demons. They're familiar spirits. So these people, because they knew inherently, even though evolution was telling them that I came from the goo to the zoo to me and you, there's got to be more to life. And so they began to turn towards spiritual things. But again, they did it outside of what? The Bible. And so they began to seek truth from the spirit world, i.e. demon world. But they called it spiritualism. Okay, And then we saw a horrible combination, right? a secular psychology. At the same time all this was going down, this uh, unfortunate spiral, we saw a combination where then they said, you know what, we need to discover and learn truth about man's brain and man's experience using man's brain and experience and spiritualism, i.e. demons. It's all combined. Horrible combination. We saw that again uh, with the research uh, by the founding so-called fathers of that, Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung, heavy duty into not just drugs, but demons and the occult, etc. Then last time we were here, we saw then spiritualism, this movement that we're going to seek truth from demons, i.e. spirits, uh, what they call ghosts, and it's not true, but that's what's going on. It be, turned into a religion. Now, this was Alan Kardec, and of course, he was uh, primarily responsible for getting this uh, to go across Europe. Okay, He was influenced by this guy, Franz Mesmer, as you can tell, was very happy. 
Yeah, whatever. But he was where we get the word mesmerize, mesmerism, things of that nature. It comes from this guy. He was basically a hypnotist. He used techniques back in the old occult days, back from Egypt. That's where it comes from, okay, and things of that nature, as we saw in our witchcraft study. Uh, but he was influenced by that guy that would get people into an altered state of consciousness, supposedly give them healing. He was raking in the dough off of this. He was also influenced by this guy, Emmanuel Swedenborg. Uh, that we dealt with in our New Age study for 12 weeks. He's basically the father of New Age. And again, these guys were communicating with spirits outside the Bible's parameters, okay? And uh, that's where they were getting their thoughts and ideas. But that's what influenced Alan Kardec. And then he basically turned it into a religion. He was incomplete. He, he took the scientific approach and began to attend seances. And then he wrote these five books that he admits comes from these spirits. Again, call them spirits all you want. It came from what? demons okay so those are actual books from demons but it was again encouraging people to go that route to seek truth not from the bible after he died his wife took over and uh yeah i'll just leave it at that and then it began to spread across the world right don't mess with demons that's all i gotta say uh it spread across the world uh with the international spiritist council and now this as a religion Right? Not just as some fad or whatever. As a religion, spiritism, again, they call it spiritism, spiritualism. It's what? Seeking truth from demons okay, and things of that nature. It began to go into 35 different countries. Now, we're going to take a look. That was the European trail. Now we're going to say, well, how in the world did this get over here into America? And that was from those ladies. There's actually three of them. And they were called the Fox Sisters. Okay, but once again, before we get into that, let's remind ourselves why you don't want to mess with demons. You can't trust nothing that comes out of these mouths. They are bent on destruction, and you don't want to have anything to do with them. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 is our opening text, of course. And uh, Luke, of course, was written by Luke. That's right. You guys are doing awesome tonight. That's right. Luke chapter 9, verses 37 through 43. We'll go ahead and stand as we read God's holy word here. But let's take a look at uh, this passage here and what's going on. And you tell me if that's something that you ever want to flirt with, okay, uh, with uh, an actual demonic apparition, you know, uh, uh, they're here to help us, give us truth from the other side, blah, blah, blah. No, I don't think so. But let's take a look at what the Bible says about that, right? Verse 37, chapter 9 of Luke says this, Then the next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him, Jesus, and a man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you. To look at my son, for he is my only child, a spirit demon, seizes him, and he suddenly screams, and it throws him into convulsions, and so that he foams at the mouth, and it, it scarcely ever leaves him, and it's what? Destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. And Jesus replied, O unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the what? The demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And listen, and they were all amazed at the greatness of God. You may be seated as you can. I love that phrase there, amazed. Uh, it's actually the, the Greek word. It's kind of a cool word. Uh, ekplaso. Let's say that. Okay. And ek is where we get like exit, like the exit. It means to throw out. Okay, and, 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 and plasso just to, to like strike or to give a blow. And so these people were literally, when Jesus was doing that, this whole thing's going on. I mean, put yourself in this thing. And, and how many times do we read in the Gospels of Jesus doing this? Just part of the average day, right? He shows up, the demons go nuts, right? And, uh, and then uh, as we saw there, the, they what? Do you want to mess with him? What? No, they were destroying this, uh, this, this boy, 
right? And uh, But Ek Plasso, they literally were blown away, literally to blow out of their minds. They just, what? whoa, right? And, uh, and so, but this again is what was going on here. As you can see, he was this kid was being he was demon possessed obviously he was the demons were he was screaming obviously in pain uh he was throwing the convulsions he was foaming at the mouth and how many guys are uh glad that as a born again christian that can never happen to you ever again now again we're going to get into this lord willing for still alive and still here next week uh in the context unfortunately the charismatic community again gets it wrong because they say they follow the bible as their source of truth but it's not it's their experience. And their experience says, nope, that person, you as a born-again Christian, can be demon-possessed. And then you got to follow one of their prescriptions, which are wacky, okay, and not to mention unbiblical, uh, to be free. And it's all unbiblical, but they say, but you don't understand, God told me to tell you or I had this vision and the Spirit of God told me. To. All that talk is no different than these spiritualists that are trying to discover truth outside the only book that tells you the truth about spiritual matters. Right? It's the same unfortunate thing today that continues on. Okay, but again, we'll get into that Lord willing next week. But this is the downfall okay, of these people in spiritualism. They're trying to discover. They know there's more to life, and they're trying to figure out, okay, what is, is there an afterlife and all that stuff? And here, here's the good news. If you read the Bible, you'll find out. And then you find out the good news. You can know what's going to happen when you die and where you're going to go. You can know about demons and to be, don't mess with that stuff and all that stuff. But this is their problem. This is their fatal flaw. They just, no, 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 no. All these other movements say, no, no, no. That's not how you discern truth. It's my experience. My brain's telling me to go in a different direction. And I'm telling you, it's still going on today. But that's the fatal flaw. Anytime you try to understand truth, period, let alone spiritual matters outside the Bible, you're always going to end up in a destructive thing. Because that's what demons do. They're there to lead you astray, and ultimately to destroy you. Now, the ones that, again, started here in America was these ladies, the Fox Sisters. Okay, Kardec did it in Europe and began to go around the world, but the Fox Sisters, it's like a two-bang, unfortunate, horrible punch. Now, believe it or not, these ladies, again, they rejected the Bible when it came to understanding spiritual matters. Okay, and believe it or not, they were raised initially uh, in a Methodist family. Now, way back when it first started, it was probably halfway decent. It's not good anymore. Most mainline denominations, including uh, Methodists, are off the charts, apostate, horrible. Okay, but back then, it's like, okay, at least you had some, some sort of, you would think somebody would teach you something, but they've rejected it, and they went to their experience, and that's what they began to do. And dare I say, you're going to see a pattern, and this will continue, Lord willing, on in our next study, because the same kind of chicanery is going on today, in the charismatic community, and you can make a lot of money off of this. Okay? And that's what they did. So the Fox sisters were, and now remember this, because this is going to be very important. I don't think it's by chance. I lived there for, passed there for five years. New York. They lived in New York. New York still to this day uh, is a very dark place. Uh, if you've ever lived there, been there, uh, not just New York City, been there several different times, uh, but New York as a state, it is a very oppressive state uh, and things of that nature, very spiritually. And, and there's you know, a lot of bad places throughout the United States. But I'm telling you, that's just one of those, it's like a stronghold there. And I think you'll understand why tonight, because I think a lot of demonic activity is still going on there to this day. And that explains why that state is still messed up and a hotbed of spiritualism and this kind of baloney and liberalism and all the other kind of anti-God, anti-Christian stuff. Okay, but uh, I'll never forget, no offense to the people that I used to pastor there if you're listening to this, but when I, God called us out of there 
And uh, I finally got in the, the, the SUV with the two wiener dogs, and I was pulling out of New York State. Man, I felt, I felt like I was reenacting a scene from uh, uh, Escape from New York. I was Snake Plissken, man, with my two wiener dogs. Uh, it was just, I was, right. But anyway, so, but, uh, but remember this, New York. New York is where this started and then spread across America, this let's talk to demons to discover truth. Okay, because that's what's going on here, right? But it was three sisters, the Fox sisters, Leah, Margareta, and Catherine Fox. And in the mid-1800s, they began the spiritualist movement that forever changed the spirit world's viewed in America, and then they too also helped increase it across the world. Became one of the major pastimes of groups around the world. And again, what are we talking about? Pastimes, what are they doing? They're communicating with what? What they call spirits or ghosts, but what is it really? Dead. So it's, it's demons, right? So it's like, this is your pastime? Okay, and this is who really got it going. They created it, again, not just here in America, but globally, and then again, contacting the spirit world, which until then, and I quote, had not been tolerated. So at least there was enough Judeo-Christian biblical mindset, at least in our country, saying, no, you don't mess with that. Well, why would you do that? Because if you ever taught the scripture, if you ever part of a church that teaches scripture, you're going to come, that's common sense. It's all over the Bible. But again, it's not being taught today, let alone these people said, well, that's maybe what it says, but my experience or my brain tells me something different, and there goes your downfall. But you can see the same uh, thing today. But it wasn't tolerated. But due to the profound amount of publicity that these ladies got by doing this, with their communicating with demons, okay, even though they didn't call it that, uh, now everybody wanted to communicate with spirits, and then it mushroomed and began to spread. Now here's how it began in New York. Okay, so they moved from Canada to Hydesdale, New York. Shortly thereafter, the younger girls, the Fox sisters, started hearing rapping noises in the room. And like wildfire, the story soon circulated and about these mysterious rapping and banging sounds in their home. And, and the Fox parents believed that the sounds originated from, quote, restless spirits. Ooh. Same lie that permeates today. People's mindset, not just in Hollywood. You hear people say, well, that's, that, that was, right, what's that? That's my grandmother looking out over me. That's awesome, right? If there actually is something, and it really wasn't just the house settling or whatever, or, you know, uh, then guess what? It wasn't your grandma. Grandma, if she's saved, she's in heaven. If she's not, she's in hell. It's a familiar spirit. So, but this is that mindset, right? And uh, so the girl's parents, quote, were Methodist and had concerns. They vacated the house right away, but they sent the girls to live with their sister Leah uh, in Rochester, so a little further away but still in New York. And I quote, this is even secular knowledge. This, this area of New York was known as a, quote, hotbed of religious form, reform, and activity, right? So it's like a spiritual stronghold uh, going on in this area. So the rumors about the girls' experiences, you know, this is hot news. There's no internet. You know, there's no cell phones. Can you believe that, that there was people who existed like that, right? And so it began to spread. Oh, this is news. Oh, what's going on? It's crazy, right? And here's what they said. And the rumors indicated that what this was, it was a restless spirit. It was a peddler who was murdered in the fox home prior to them moving there. And the girls believed they were communicating with his spirit. Obviously, if there was a legit, it was a demon. Okay. But again, a group of investigators took it upon themselves to investigate the fox home. And they found fragments of bone and strands of hair. And they were convinced that it was the remains of the spirit that the, the girls called Mr. Splitfoot. Okay. 
And Mr. Splitfoot went on to tell the girls, quote, he was not at rest because his remains were buried in the cellar. And therefore, he was floating in limbo. And he was restless because... Does that sound familiar? This lie from the 1850s that started this movement is still prevailing today. And can I tell you something? Even out of some so-called Christians' mouths. Yeah, I saw... That was my grandpa, my mom, my child. Read the Bible. Goes on. So shortly thereafter, Kate and Margaret devised a way to... Listen, so, okay, so now it's supposed to be this Mr. Splitfoot. Demon. Okay, whatever you want to call it. Okay, and now everybody's like, oh, what's going on, man? This is hot news, right? And then they said, aha, we need to devise a way to talk to it. Right? And that's what they did. The girls would snap their fingers a certain number of times, and amazingly, Mr. Splitfoot would respond with the same amount of snaps. Then the girls asked yes or no questions to find out why the spirit of Mr. Splitfoot was present. And they did this by devising a method of communication by counting the number of raps the spirit made to answer to the questions. And then each letter of the alphabet had a certain number of raps associated with it, which uh, eventually spelled out the words and ultimately sentences. And where do you think that ended up creating? Which we'll probably have a whole study on later. Okay. But that's what it is, because you got to figure out how to commit. And basically, this became the Internet of the day. This is cool action happening, man. And if you want to find out information, here you go. Not here, again, because that's what this whole movement was about. No, they rejected the Bible, right? Okay, they, they, this other guys were saying, no, you, truth by your brain. They said, no, no, by your experience. And, and then they said, no, there's got to be more to life. And so they said, yeah, there is. And they started doing that. And you could have went way back to not very far into the scripture, Deuteronomy, that simply said, don't do this. But again, that's what they rejected. Okay, But that's what happened. And then all of a sudden, Leah, she starts saying she's a medium. And listen, here's where the cash flow came in. It wasn't just like, oh, hey, that's interesting. That sounds crazy. Uh, Mr. Splitfoot, he's around. And they figure out how to talk to him and all these things. That's That's crazy. Now, Leah says she's a medium, and she can communicate directly to not just Mr. Splitfoot, but your deceased loved one. And people came in droves. And that's just like the demons. Somebody at a moment of vulnerability, when you lose a loved one, if somebody were to come up to you, I can talk to them for you. How many people still to this day are being ripped off? Because again, they, they, oh, oh, we're, we were raised Methodists. This is a great service. Oh, no. You want to hear your dead loved one? Bring me the dough. And these ladies made big bucks. It fueled their success in 1815. And Leah, they, now they go to New York City and they're holding demonstrations. Now, believe it or not, this is where we get this word, okay, that we say all the time seances. Right? This is when it was basically born in the American language. Uh, it actually comes from the Latin word sedere, which is from the French word seance. Okay? And what it literally means is to sit or a sitting. And so basically come with us around and sit and have a sitting with what? We're going to contact demons. Of course, you don't say that because people freak out and won't bring the cash. Right? But the, but the spirits, the ghosts, the loved one. Oh. But that's what's going on. That's what the word seance means. So that's what they're doing, and they're, quote, charging a fee, and I quote, this is secular, and the girls started, quote, reaping substantial financial gain. They got rich off this. 
people still do it today. Hey, what if you were to take these same similar practices and then slap Christianese on it and then tell people that we can communicate with the dead loved one too or provide a healing for you and except you've got to pay us to do that wouldn't go on today. Yeah, that's next week's study, Lord willing, that we're here. Uh, but then they began to become worldwide celebrities. Now, part of that was because this guy got hooked up with them. Horace Greeley, uh, as you can tell, early form of the neck beard. And uh, hey, it was cool, man. Right? Now, the mullet I had in the 80s doesn't sound bad. At least I didn't have a neck beard. But anyway, whatever. So anyway, he was the founder and the editor of the New York Tribune. Right, so now they're getting major mega press, and this guy's got bucks. So now they got financial backing. Now they got clout. Now they got basically advertisement for free. And the reason why is because guess whose son had passed away? Bingo. His son died at the age of five, and uh, and so they he invited them over. They developed a relationship. And Kate, one of the Foxes, spent four months at the Greeley home in uh, Chappaqua, New York. Okay, remember that name. And they, she was attempting to contact the couple's deceased five-year-old son. And what's very interesting, and I learned this actually on location, when I was pastoring New York, unbeknownst to me, the uh, church, had, we were doing a, a leadership retreat uh, for the men. And right across the lake was in that area, uh, Chappaqua, however you say it, and... Uh, was the Clintons' home in this area that is a hotbed still to this day with a lot of demonic behavior. Okay, In fact, here is Bill Clinton showing Obi-Wan Kenobi that house. Let's take a look at that. This house was built as an old farmhouse, and all this land around here was the farm. It was built in like 1889. This old barn was original to the house, and it had never been used before as a Ow, my heel got stuck. You're kidding. Back up. Okay, thanks. This is the barn. This is your This is where I wrote the book. Nice. This sort of doubles as a guest room. You like rocking chairs. Yeah. How do you pick your rocking chairs? I see they're all different kinds of rocking chairs. Oh, I've collected them over the years. Really? Look, it's like a huge piece of cane from the rainforest. Next, on to the main house where Mr. Clinton shows off his favorite rooms. It's really a great room, yeah. and I love this table. So I'd come in and work on this table. and I'd... Were you, your papers were everywhere? Everywhere. We oh, redid this all is, this. This, this is, is our lovely. Sort of it's really nice. Everywhere you look, mementos from all of his world travels. When we were down there at Mandela's birthday party, mm-hmm. I got this. Not just mementos, but if you guys were here for a witchcraft study, that's occult stuff. <clears throat> So why of all places would you have a home base here? Well, because it's a spiritual hotbed still to this day of a lot of this demonic behavior. And it's going to make sense here in a second when we show that the Clintons uh, still to this day are involved in a lot of demonic activity. They've been for a long time. So that's probably why they got their house there. But back to the Fox sisters. They meet this Greeley guy, right? And so they begin touring the country. And now this spiritualism, communicating with the dead, i.e. demons, became the rage in our own country and around the world. Okay, and then soon, if you can believe this, spiritualists, i.e. communicating with demons, churches and camps begin to pop up. 
That's how popular this became. And I quote, why? The age of reason has swept away the superstition and condemnation by the church, i.e. the Bible, against anyone professing to make contact with the spirit world. So now you've had sufficient decades of people rejecting the Bible. It's not the source of truth anymore. It's my brain, my experience. Don't tell me what to do. And it started to take away the sting of the Judeo-Christian mindset. Like, ah, I probably shouldn't be messing with that. And I'll, I'll use a little vernacular. How many guys, even if you were not a Christian, you knew when you went over to somebody's house or it came to your house or you came across it or whatever, that that first time when you somebody whipped out that Ouija board, even as a non-Christian, something inside you said, probably shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Right? Unfortunately, some of us, like myself, you still went ahead and did it anyway. Right? And, but, but my point is, this is what was happening in our country. There was a biblical mindset, but all this doubting of the Word of God with the age of reason, rationalism, empiricism, and all this baloney, people says, no, no, and they went ahead and just started going into it big time. If you can, spiritualist camps and so-called churches, okay, it began to take that. Now, quote, anyone could practice spiritualism, i.e. communicate with demons, without facing horrific consequences. Well, guess what? When you play with the demons, what do they do? What was their opening text? What was it doing to that boy? destroying them. Been there, done that, wish I wouldn't have bought the t-shirt. When I went through what I went through, the more I got into it, the worse it got, and they were literally destroying me. Uh, and praise God, God intervened for me. By 1871, Kate uh, Fox visited England where the first spiritualist church was established there in Yorkshire. And, she, quote, drink became their refuge. Uh, the stress of publicity performing had driven the sisters to drink and by 1885, the three sisters, uh, three years later, uh, her children, Kate's children, were taken away from her because of the excessive drinking. And so they started getting into, unfortunately, alcohol and things of that nature. I wonder who was pushing them in that direction. Uh, but again, the, this new movement continued to spread. And here's the reason why. Again, they were being, it was at a time in the history of our country that people were ripe for this lie. Because again, it wasn't just, ooh, wow, listen, hey, they can, that, we, that was a strange experience. Whoa. It was, we can talk to who? Your loved one. This is the mid-1850s on forward, right? What was going on at that moment, right? Here's what was going on. It was at the time when, quote, countless families during the American Civil War saw their men go off and never return. Shocking images of dead soldiers after battles were published in newspapers. After each battle, photos were showed that loved ones had not only died in overwhelming numbers, but horrifically. And so this surge in spiritualism during that time, and it continued later during the First World War, which saw a ton more people lose loved ones. Quote, this movement became a, quote, way for grieving families to find solace. Because these people came up, I just heard to little Johnny or, or your brother, your uncle who died in that war, Civil War, World War I, and they said they're okay and blah, blah, blah. It could have been chicanery. If they did hear a voice, it was from a demon, whatever. But the people, that's how they dealt with it. Instead of turning to the word of God for comfort, they began to listen to these people who were talking to, frankly, demons, if it wasn't chicanery. Now, the reason why I say it wasn't chicanery, because guess what? These ladies were making in major mega bucks. I mean, people were willing to pay big bucks to talk to their deceased loved one. Well, you're going to let them get all the action? So at the same time, you got a lot of 
imitators begin to pop up all over the place, okay? And we'll get into this way more, Lord willing, next time we're still alive here. And guess who began to expose them? We're going to have a whole study just dealing with this guy, Houdini. He wasn't just famous for his magic, but because he was in magic, which is all about sleight of hand and illusion, he was the perfect guy to expose these guys because a lot of imitators... I'm not saying that every single one of these people, including the Fox sisters, uh, it was all just, just chicanery. I think that some people who do this, even to this day, uh, you are connecting with spirits, but it ain't the loved one. It ain't the dead person. It's a demon. But because there's so much to be made from this, people just begin to do all kinds of tricks. And he began to expose that. Uh, soon devices appeared on the scene as slate writing, spirit photography, table tipping, spirit wrapping, other earmarks of spiritualism uh, popped out. And here's the point. Here's the rest of our study tonight with this. Believe it or not, it got so popular here in the United States, and it's never left, by the way. And you'll see next week it's even crept into the church. But it's okay because you slap Christian knees on it, right? But it became so popular, here it is, it was specifically purposely invited into the White House, and it's never left. We should call the White House, I'm not joking, the Demon House. Would you want to move to a demon house? Why didn't Melania want to go into the White House right away? Let's first talk about what happened to the White House, right? And uh, believe it or not, two presidents before uh, Lincoln, Franklin Pierce, this guy, this is when they started doing seances in the White House, and it's never stopped. You're inviting demons into our government. Okay, And this is just specifically the White House. I don't have time to get into the rest of the stuff that's going on in D.C. and all that stuff. There's a whole other study on that. Okay, But it was, uh, it was Franklin Pierce and his wife, Jane Pierce. And again, what was the thing that drew them into, are you serious? You're going to do seances in the White House? What was it? They lost a loved one. And these people says, we'll help you out. And those people were the Fox sisters. But watch this. This is crazy. This morning, we are throwing it back, way back to 1853 and U.S. President Franklin Pierce. If you've never heard of him, that's okay. Neither had our next guest until he started researching supernatural activity. The Residence is Andrew Piper's fictional spin on the very real seances conducted inside the walls of President Pierce's White House. So what drew you to U.S. President Franklin Pierce and First Lady Jane? Well, it was, certainly wasn't Franklin Pierce that interested me. Interested me. I'd never even heard of Franklin Pierce uh, before I encountered Jane Pierce, uh, his first lady and wife. And I discovered her through her letters. She wrote letters um, to her dead son, Benny, her most recently deceased son of her all three children, that whom she lost just weeks before moving into the White House. And she wrote letters to him pleading with him to return to her. And according to her letters, he did, not just metaphorically, but she believed that he returned to her in material form in the White House so that there was a, uh, a ghost in the White House summoned there by Jane, except in my book, it's not Benny's spirit. It's a malevolent spirit that has taken the form of Benny and is using this moment of vulnerability to gain access to the most powerful house in the world. And uh, she retreated when she moved into the White House, into the second floor residence, the apartments there, and refused to come out for the, uh, for the duration of her term. She was suffering such great grief. And in fact, she built a grief room, uh, which 
she was sort of like a shrine to her uh, to, to Benny in the White House, and uh, it, it was a very she was called the fra- the Phantom of the White House, and many say that she is still there in ghostly form. What? I didn't put that in the history books. Well, I tell you, it didn't stop there. But let's go back to her, Jane Pierce. Uh, she's the first known, maybe it happened earlier, but she's the first known lady occultist. And again, she was called the Phantom or the Shadow of the White House. She lived in a permanently depressed state after her last surviving child. Again, as you heard, Benny died of a tragic uh, train accident at 11 years old. Weighed down with extreme guilt and anxiety, she initially attempted to beckon his spirit by addressing an emotional letter to him, asking him to return so she could repent of her motherly shortcomings. And determined to connect with her son, quote, Pierce invited the Fox sisters from upstate New York into the White House to hold seances. And I'm telling you, it wasn't just the U.S. presidents. Remember, uh, Kardec brought this, and then the Fox sisters even started help also in Europe. And this was all the rage. People were turning away from the Bible, right? And uh, even Queen Victoria of England held frequent seances to contact her beloved Prince Albert, who died from typhoid fever. When Victoria died, her oldest daughter burned all of her mother's journals to try to hide the fact from historians, but apparently didn't get all of them. Okay, So again, that's when it basically started, and the Fox sisters were literally invited to the White House, and I'm telling you folks, it never left. Now, let's go to this next one. This lady was a huge occultist, Mary Todd Lincoln, uh, she's the, obviously the wife of President Abraham Lincoln, and she became a fervent believer in contacting the dead. Why? What do you think was the heartstring? Why do you, why do you think she was tempted to go down here? You're going to see the same pattern every single time. She lost her son, her son Willie, and, uh, and, and she invited popular mediums uh, to conduct, uh, conduct seances in the White House. And you're thinking, that's nuts. I didn't hear about that one either. Well, believe it or not, it's public knowledge, including Abraham Lincoln attending them. Watch this. The Lincolns moved into the White House in uh, March of 1861, and the country was just enthralled with spiritualism. Everybody had heard of it. Um, A vast number of people were practicing it with different levels of seriousness. Um, Shortly after the Lincolns moved into the White House, they lost their 11-year-old son, Willie, to what was probably typhus fever. And the grief was too much for Mary Todd Lincoln, the First Lady. And she, as with hundreds of thousands of Americans, more or less converted to spiritualism. And she began uh, to frequent spirit mediums, uh, engage in seances, and and she absolutely believed in the authenticity of contact with her departed son. There are historical records that attest uh, to seances being held in the Lincoln White House during the Civil War. And one of the most convincing historical records uh, of a seance being held in the Lincoln White House appeared in the Boston Gazette. Um, the president had a trance sitting in 1863, and he permitted a correspondent from the Boston Gazette to be present. So it's not a conspiracy theory. This actually went on, and Lincoln knew about it, and Lincoln allowed it. And Lincoln apparently attended a couple of them. But Mrs. Lincoln, believe it or not, here's the same thing. What's sad is she was born into, quote, a wealthy family, a, quote, Protestant family from Kentucky. So what, what didn't translate here? And, and what would you, how, how could you sit there and turn away from the scripture that clearly warrants, or were you never taught it? Or was that part of the seduction, right? When the rubber meets the road, and when you're in pain, even though God says not to do it, 
you still get seduced to do it anyway. Right? And, and I think that's what a lot of the demons they play on. Right? Throughout her life, she suffered immense loss, including not just the one son we mentioned, Willie, but her mother she lost at a young age, three of her four children, and, of course, the brutal assassination of her husband that happened right before her very eyes. So she first turned to spiritualism as a tool to process the grief after the death, again, of Willie, as you saw there. And, uh, again, he was only 11 years old at the time. Uh, and then she became inconsolable after the passing of Willie. She desperately searched for an outlet. Shortly after his death, that's when she met these spiritualists, whatever, and began conducting seances held by that group uh, in the Red Room of the White House. And there's evidence to suggest she hosted at least as many as eight seances in the White House. And again, quote her husband, Abraham Lincoln, uh, even in attendance of a few of them. The seances proved such a, quote, effective coping mechanism, right? Because they told me that my son's okay, right? Oh, by the way, can you pay me now? And uh, But listen to what it says. Mrs. Lincoln often remarked to her half-sister, quote, Willie lives. He comes to me every night. This is in the White House. He comes to me every night and stands at the foot of the bed with the same sweet, adorable smile that he always has had. He does not always come alone. Little Eddie, her son that perished at the age of four, is sometimes with him. And it's just sad. And, yeah, creepy. Uh, But if... She really did hear something, and something appeared. It wasn't her son. It's a demon. Where's this going on, folks? The White House. And then, through spiritualism, Mrs. Lincoln, like many Americans at the time, found solace in the belief that they can communicate with their lost loved ones. Now, I don't have time to get in this. I need to blow through this, but this just created a rage, and I'm convinced, based on research, this kind of demonic behavior has never left that place. And dare I say, much of Washington, D.C. You wonder why it's messed up. Okay? So soon ghost stories, this is now after the Lincolns, the soon ghost stories of the dead Lincolns, including Abraham Lincoln himself, began to permeate the White House. The ghosts of Willie, Eddie, Abraham are believed to haunt the White House. Now, again, you could say ghosts, you could say spirits, you could say haunt, but if there really is something appearing legitimately, what is it biblically? It's a demon. Right? Biblically, it's a demon. So, uh, uh, so you can say it's a haunting, whatever. It's actually demonic behavior out in the open. Where? In the White House. Would you want to stay there? Would you want to sleep there overnight? <laughs> the assassination of President Lincoln shook the nation to its core, and almost immediately rumors about his spirit began to circulate. Many said that he appears both in the Lincoln Room and the Yellow Oval Room. And again, if it's an actual appearance, it ain't Lincoln. It's a demon. So now you got demons walking around the White House. Now, tons of people have said that they've seen these apparitions. But it's okay. It's just Lincoln or Willie or Eddie. And what you're going to see, other presidents are said to haunt the White House. They're all, it's flooded with demons. Right? Watch this. First Lady Grace Coolidge, uh, Winston Churchill, Queen Wilhelmina of Netherlands all claimed to see, quote, Lincoln's ghost. Well, if you did see something, what was it? It was a demon. Uh, 1870, Mary Todd uh, Lincoln secretly visited this guy, William H. Mumler. He was a self-proclaimed spirit photographer, even though he was accused of fraud, again, through her grief. And I don't care. I just got to pray and be comforted, consoled with the death of now my husband. Uh, she requested to be photographed with her late husband. And see, it's, it's legit. It's him. He caught it. He's got this special gift to 
So she fell for that as well. As you can see there, supposedly he's looking over her wife and that's what she... Again, don't find comfort in the scripture about God who's the author of life. Who the scripture said he's the God of all comfort, knows how to comfort us. Tells us the truth. If, if your loved one's saved, you can know for sure it's just a temporary goodbye. All right, and all, all, no, 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 no. No, let's get some guy to do some fakery on even back then. That's like uh, apparently the birthplace of Photoshop. Right? I don't know. Maybe that's, that's what his mumbler translated in German is probably Photoshop. I don't know. But anyway, uh, but, anyway uh, but that, that happened. The, the prints and the photographs, all that stuff abounded uh, in the months and years after the assassination. And listen, it wasn't just her that was, quote, comforted by this proof of the spirit world. It was the nation. The nation, quote, hold on to Lincoln's, quote, ghost because he represented the idea of coming home and looking over the family and America from above. During a time when so many families lost their fathers and sons, it was comforting to know that the father of the nation was still looking over them as well. Bunch of baloney. But hearing uh, stories of Lincoln's ghost stories gave these families hope, and they also thought, well, if he's okay, then my loved one must be okay. Instead of, now that's demonic, because if your loved one wasn't saved, you know where they're at? They're in hell. Not to be harsh, but that's the biblical reality. And then the pointing thing is this, then that means if you're not saved and you understand that biblically, what does it spur you on? I better get saved because I'm going to die one day. But no, they're okay. I guess I'll be okay. Right? And it pulls people away from the scripture. And dare I say their need of salvation before it's too late. So again, that's demonic as well. Uh, so, and then, watch this. Robert Lincoln, he's the firstborn of Abraham Lincoln and uh, Mary Todd Lincoln. He became increasingly concerned about his mother's behavior with all this baloney, so much so that, watch this, I didn't, I didn't see this in the history books either. In 1875, Robert committed his mother to an insane asylum. And his concern was less over the mental well-being and more about the amount of the family's fortune that she was squandering, visiting again and again by these spiritualists that she just, she, maybe she's having a bad day, but she'll go to them and they'll tell them what she wants to hear. Oh, can you pay me now? Still goes on today. But look, again, these sightings, it, they're all over the White House. I'm convinced based on this research, uh, that's probably one of the biggest demonic hotbeds, uh, no pun intended, ever. Eleanor Roosevelt said that she saw and felt Lincoln's presence repeatedly at the White House, which again, if there was a legitimate thing, what was it? A demon. She even said that their family dog would sometimes bark for no reason at what she felt was Lincoln's ghost. President Dwight Eisenhower's press secretary, James Haggerty, and Liz Carpenter, press secretary of the First Lady, Lady Bird Johnson, said they both felt Lincoln's, quote, presence many times. Former president's footsteps are also heard in the outside of Lincoln's bedroom. Margaret Truman, daughter of President Harry S. Truman, said she heard a specter rapping at the door of Lincoln's bedroom when she stayed there and believed it was Lincoln. President Truman himself uh, was once wa- uh, wakened by raps at the door while spending night in the Lincoln bedroom. Others said that they saw the apparition of the president. The first person to said that they saw Lincoln's uh, so-called spirit was uh, First Lady Grace Coolidge, who said she saw the ghost of Lincoln standing at a window in the yellow oval room staring out at the Potomac. Winston Churchill, again, Theodore Roosevelt, Maureen Reagan, daughter of Ronald Reagan, uh, and her husband all claimed to have seen the specter of Lincoln at the White House. Uh, A number of staff members of the Franklin D. Roosevelt administration claimed to have seen Lincoln's spirit. On one occasion, Roosevelt personal valet ran screaming from the White House claiming that he had seen Lincoln's ghost. Uh, one of the famous incidents was in 1942. Again, Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands, 
She, quote, heard footsteps outside her White House bedroom and answered the, uh, the knock on the door, only to see Lincoln in a frock coat and top hat standing in front of her. She, quote, she promptly fainted, right? And again, if any of these things are legit, what is going on in the White House? Full-blown demons all over the place, man. Several unmanned eyewitnesses have claimed to have seen the shade of Lincoln uh, actually lying down in bed in the Lincoln bedroom. Others have seen Lincoln sit on the edge of the bed, putting his boots on. Even in the 1980s, uh, Tony Savoy, a White House operations foreman, came into the White House and saw Lincoln sitting in a chair at the top of some of the stairs. But again, Lincoln and the Lincoln family, Willie, Eddie, that's just some of the sightings. President Lyndon B. Johnson's college-age daughter, Lyndon Bird Johnson Robb, saw the ghost of Willie Lincoln and other presidents and other first ladies are now said to also haunt the White House. And again, so if now they're seeing so-called other presidents, other first ladies, what are they? It's a, it's a demon fest, man. This is nuts. This is in the White House. Would you want to go there? Would you want to live there? Would you want to live there for four years? <laughs> Witnesses in the past two centuries reported Thomas Jefferson can be heard playing his violin in the yellow oval room in the White House. President Andrew Jackson is said to be seen lying on what is to be his old bed in the Queen's bedroom, also known as the Rose Room, and his, quote, guttural laugh has been heard in the White House uh, as far back as the 1860s, okay? And again, it goes on even from there. Uh, The spirit so-called of uh, William Henry Harrison is claimed to haunt the attic of the White House. President John Tyler allegedly haunts the Blue Room in the White House. First Lady Frances Folsom Cleveland was married to President Grover Cleveland in the White House's Blue Room. It's widely acclaimed she's haunting that room where she was married after her death. Uh, Other non-ghosts have been seen there, and many other buildings and sites throughout all of Washington, D.C. had their accounts of ghost sightings and various dead spiritual political rulers all throughout their facilities on top of all this stuff going on in the White House, and you wonder why it's messed up. I'm convinced when Trump said that Washington, D.C. is a swamp. He forgot to add one word. It's an occult swamp. Now, unfortunately, as I said, it never stopped. And it wasn't just people in the White House experiencing this occult behavior that started way back then that was invited. Other people, even in modern times, who've been in the White House further invited this demonic behavior. And one of those people was Nancy Reagan. Uh, This is from an article, secular, by the way. The first ladies who, quote, brought the occult to the White House. Notice the pictures there. One of them is who? Mary Todd Lincoln there on the right. Nancy Reagan was a part of that. Quote, over the years, several presidents' wives, including Mary Todd Lincoln, Nancy Reagan, turned to spiritual practices like seances and astrology. While it's possible some of the other first ladies uh, were doing it as well, uh, better concealing their practices. Five ladies in particular uh, were big occultists. Jan Pierce, that was the first one we saw, Mary Todd Lincoln, Edith Wilson, Florence Harding, and Nancy Reagan held strong interest in the occult. Uh, the list could also include Grace Coolidge, Roosevelt, Lady Bird Johnson, Jackie Kennedy, all who, who claimed to also see Lincoln's ghost or felt his presence during their years at the White House. Uh, as to how these ladies formed a new fascination with the occult, quote, people who are desperate for help, desperate for answers, sometimes, quote, go to extreme measures. You know what's ironic? When you get sweared in as the President of the United States, you got to put your hand on the what? And yet when you get there and tough times hit, 
they don't turn to this book. And a lot of them turn to the, quote, spirit world. And believe it or not, and I'm just being consistent, Nancy Reagan was one of those people. She was heavy into astrology. In fact, so much so, I'm going to demonstrate to you. And this is an actual news clip. It's like, were we paying attention? Or, or you know, we accuse the Democrat and the liberal party, they're just brainwashed. But Christians, we need to be consistent. When we see people on the other side and they're doing the same thing, we need to be consistent and call them out too. Otherwise, you know what? You're being brainwashed. Right? You're speaking with forked tongue. Got to be consistent. So she was doing this. In fact, this is a news clip and uh, admitting that it was astrology that Nancy used to really dictate White House policy, not the Bible. Watch this. This is in the news, right? NBC's Andrea Mitchell tells us tonight, new reports of Mrs. Reagan's reliance on an astrologer raise new questions about national security. In her book, My Turn, Nancy Reagan says she relied on astrology as a crutch because of fears about her husband's safety after the assassination attempt. Astrologer Joan Quigley told NBC News she and Mrs. Reagan talked constantly, sometimes several times a day, and not only about the president's safety. She was not only interested in the president's safety and having me do for him the things that I'd done during the 80 campaign, but she was also in- interested in improving her own image. And I was very occupied with that uh, at first. Quigley had veto power over the scheduling of all presidential press conferences. She advised when it was safe to travel, when he should hold a summit. I uh, picked a time on the day they left that was an excellent time for what what we wanted to accomplish. And I also uh, changed their evil empire attitude by briefing them on Gorbachev's horoscope. By the time we were working on the uh, uh, Washington summit, She was calling me two and three times a day. And according to former White House officials and Quigley, the astrologer was involved in everything. She picked the departure time for the Reykjavik summit, the optimum time for signing an arms control treaty, the best time for the trip to Moscow. And when Mrs. Reagan was upset about a controversial trip to Germany in 1985, Quigley plotted every takeoff and landing. Described by friends as superstitious, almost mystical, Reagan was inclined to defer to his wife's wishes. No, 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 that's bad luck. I have learned not to argue with her superstitions. So you swear on the Bible, but when tough times hit and you need to govern the country, you turn to the occult. And uh, in fact, during uh, Reagan's presidency, White House spokesman Marlon Fitzwater spoke about Reagan's love of astrology. Quote, it's true that Mrs. Reagan had an interest in astrology. She has for some time, particularly following the assassination tipped on her husband. Again, so now she's really concerned, right? He almost died. And I need... It's the same old pattern. She was very concerned about her husband's welfare, and astrology has been a part of her concerns uh, in terms of activities. Fitzwater did admit that it had an effect on scheduling. Uh, in, For example, the couple used astrology to determine the best time to announce that he would run for re-election. Now, it got even worse when this lady came into town, right? So Reagan, uh, I'll get to the Bush senior here in a second, and Clinton's, then it goes back to the Bushes. I'll get to the Bush here next. Uh, that was not good either. We got duped on that one too. Uh, but there's a reason why I show her in that outfit. 
because she was, and probably my guess, is still involved in witchcraft in the occult today. And again, their house up in New York, hotbed, I'm telling you, nothing's by chance, right? Uh, but in the same article, it admits this, and again, it's secular, so even secular, secular knowledge, you can go find it yourself. Uh, before the email scandal, before Benghazi, Hillary Clinton dealt with a much less controversial stain on her character, which was that she liked to gab with high-profile dead people. She's doing seances in the White House. Reagan, Nancy, she begins to do astrology. That's bad enough. But guess who's starting to bring seances back to the White House again? It was Hillary. In a 1996 book, The Choice, How Bill Clinton Won, author Bob Woodward wrote that the former First Lady, Hillary, communicated with Eleanor Roosevelt and Mahatma Gandhi during her husband's term. Clinton even wrote herself in a newspaper column, quote, I occasionally have imaginary conversations with Mrs. Roosevelt to try to figure out what she would do in my shoes. She usually responds by telling me to buck up or at least grow skin as thick as a rhinoceros. So if she actually needed to hear a voice, who's she listening to? It ain't Eleanor Roosevelt. It's a demon. This is going on in the White House again. But the fact remains the Clintons uh, were holding seances in the White House. And again... They've been involved in the occult for a long time. One of the people that worked for them kind of came out, paid attention. The audio is a little bit sketchy, but you'll see that, man, they've been involved in the occult way back in the Arkansas days. Okay, watch this. About once a month, Hillary would go out to Los Angeles. And she did it so regular that it became a bit of an issue trying to, why is she always going? Bill told me that she was going out there, she and a group of women, and she would be a part of a witch's church. And, uh, man, I, when Bill told me that, you could have hit me with a baseball bat. I tried to point out to him. He realized what had happened if that got out. And of course, my job is to make sure it didn't get out. Now, I don't know today if Hillary still partakes in <clears throat> the witch ritual. I, I don't know that I even know what the ritual was. But for the better part of many years, Hillary would go quite often, whether it was regularly once a month or maybe once every couple of months, she would go out on the weekend simply to be a part of it. Nuts. Crazy. But don't worry. The Bushes came along. Are you kidding me? Again, back to Bush Sr. and the Bush Jr. Boy, did we get duped. These guys, we'll probably get into this, Lord willing, if we're still alive and still here in 900 years. And our uh, secret societies, Freemasonry and the Rise of the Secret Society, our next Lord willing section. Uh, they were part of the, and still are to this day, part of the Skull and Bone Society. And if you want to talk about some deep, dark, rotten stuff, uh, there it is. Okay. But remember how we got Duke Bush Jr.? Uh, he was born again Christian, right? He was born, well, born again, believe it or not, secret societies, the occult, they, they use that word born again, but they don't mean what we mean. They also will use terms like almighty. Well, they must be a Christian. They said almighty. Uh, no Freemason uses that all the time, but it ain't the same God. But Bush, I don't know if you guys remember this, I still got it on tape. Praise God for hard drives. And uh, he admitted his true colors came out. He wasn't a Christian. 
He denied Jesus Christ the only way on tape. Watch this. We got duped again. Let me ask some questions about faith, which is a tough subject to talk about. Do we all worship the same God, Christian and Muslim? I think we do. Does. We have different routes of getting to the Almighty. Do Christians and non-Christians, do Muslims go to heaven in your mind? Yes, they do. We have different routes of getting there. No, we don't. So you're no better than Oprah Wan Kenobi, who said that Jesus can't be the only way. He can't. It's impossible. What are you talking about? Right? So guess what? So we got duped. And again, uh, that content. And then, of course, who came next? That's right, the Obamas. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that a little too obvious? Oh, what was going on there? Uh, but, hey, I'll tell you what. He did tell one truth right when he got in office. He admitted about the occult behavior of Nancy Reagan. Watch this. Here's my question. I'm wondering what you're doing to get ready. Have you spoke to any living ex-presidents? What books you might be reading? Everyone wants to know what kind of dog are you going to buy for your girls? Have you decided on a private or public school for your daughters? Um, let, let me list those off. Uh, in terms of uh, speaking to former presidents, I've spoken to all of them uh, that uh, are uh, living, obviously, President Clinton. Uh, I, I didn't want to get into a Nancy Reagan uh, thing about, you know, doing any seances. Um. Interesting. But he was uh, clean as a whistle. He was a big supporter of the Bible and Christians. We could do whole studies, and we've done studies on his during time in the administration. Unfortunately, no different with a lot of uh, occult behavior. Uh, and if you thought he was a friend of the Christianity, he has become, uh, in history, the most anti-Christian, anti-God, anti-Bible so-called president in the history of the United States. Uh, he made it very clear that he was not going to, you might have put your hand on the Bible, but he ain't going to follow it. And he didn't follow it, he became the biggest persecutor, right, as well. Uh, and so there's no love loss. And by the way, again, praise God for hard drives, uh, he blasphemed the Bible mocked the Bible and Christianity. Uh, and let's just watch this tape. If you want to know if this guy was up to good while he was in the White House, I don't think so. Let's take a look. And moreover, given the increasing diversity of America's populations, the dangers of sectarianism are greater than ever. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation, at least not just we are also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, and a Buddhist nation, and a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers. And even if we did have only Christians in our midst, if we expelled every non-Christian from the United States of America, whose Christianity would we teach in the schools? Would it be James Dobson's or Al Sharpton's? Which passages of scripture should guide our public policy. Should we go with uh, Leviticus, which uh, suggests slavery is okay, and that eating uh, shellfish is an abomination? Or we could go uh, with uh, Deuteronomy, which suggests stoning your child if he strays from the faith? Or should we just stick to the Sermon on the Mount, a passage that is so radical that it's doubtful that our own Defense Department would survive its application. We... That's blasphemous, you're right, John. That's the appropriate word. 
He did not have any Christian agenda while he was in office, and I don't think that helped things in the White House either. And then, of course, we had the aberration, who again warned us that, uh, boy, there's a swamp there in Washington, D.C., but I think he missed the word occult swamp. Uh, And some people would say this is part of the reason why Melania took so long to go to the White House. Now, as soon as you go do that research, and you can, you were going to find those very important, highly intellectual, very reliable fact checkers (laughs) will say, no, no, no. That's just a rumor. But when you put all together, and I don't know, maybe it's not true, but when you put all this together, what we've been seeing, would you want to go there? I don't think so. And then now we're dealing with lying Sleepy Joe. Who has slept through this message, right? And uh, but as we saw back in our witchcraft study, uh, if you don't think he's involved with the occult, uh, he made it apparent back in the uh, when he was running for office uh, that that's exactly what he's a part of. We dealt with this already in our witchcraft study. Real quickly, just a reminder: their logo of all things for you to pick for your logo. Why would you choose that? Okay, and not only that. It sounds kind of crazy, and I don't have time to revamp the whole witchcraft study, but uh, remember his text number? 30330. Now, this guy can't remember nothing. If you want him to say something, you better make it easy. You know, if you want a text number, 11111, he might get that. But what are you doing, 303343? Why did you have him say 30330? How many guys got your phone? I'm going to break a rule, bust out your phone right now. Right? Bust out your phone and whoop up your phone calculator. Right? And this is not a conspiracy theory. We dealt with this in witchcraft. Okay? But what you're going to see in witchcraft, including Freemasonry, secret societies, the number three is very, very important to them. Okay? The number three is very, very important. Uh, the witchcraft, it's the power of the three, the triquetra. Remember that? Okay, yeah, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, whatever, play with me. But anyway, it's a power of three, so three is a very uh, important number. Now, take the year that he was running, 2020, so take 2020, type in 2020, divide that by 666. What do you get? 30330. Do you really think that's by chance when you understand the occult and their numbering? numerology, occult thing, and this guy can't remember nothing, and that just happens to be the exact, exact number you have to text, and this was your logo that you picked. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. This is exactly. So he told us right out of the gates who he's affiliated with, okay? And, uh, uh, again, remember during Trump's term, the witches prayed against who? Trump, but not the who? The Democrats. Very interesting. And then once Biden gets into office, okay, after rigging the election, uh, then guess who starts to bring back this behavior? And this is still in print. Here it is. Susan Rice conducts smoky New Age smudging ritual, which we saw is also part of witchcraft. Okay, in the heart of the where? White House. Still in print. To quote why? Expel Trump's energy. Susan Rice is now a domestic policy advisor for Joe Biden. Her office has expelled the Trump administration's, quote, racist energy through a smudging ritual. She was also former, guess who? President Barack Obama's national security advisor. So she probably did it before, and who knows what else they were doing before, right? 
So in closing, again, Washington isn't just a swamp. It's an occult swamp. It's an occult demonic swamp. The White House, I'm convinced, is infested with demons. I wouldn't want to live there, uh, period. Uh, now, add to that the others in Congress that I don't have time to get into in Washington, D.C., both members of the houses, that if you want to do the research, they're also involved in the occult, and you wonder why things are messed up in our country. And that's why, as Christians, we need to get back to right here. The only thing that will save America is Jesus Christ. With all due respect, Trump's latest slogan is, save America. Trump cannot save America. Because what we're dealing with is not a political issue, and we don't need a political savior. As you can see, the reason why we're in the mess we're in is because it's a spiritual issue. It's a demonic issue, and only Jesus Christ, like that little boy at the beginning, can deliver us from that. But unfortunately, spiritualism didn't stop there. The Fox sisters got it into the White House. I'm convinced still to this day it's never left. And that's part of the reason why our country is so messed up, right? And they're so anti-Christian. But unfortunately, it didn't stop there. It went beyond the White House to the average Joe. And we'll take a look at that, including how Houdini appeared on the scene. And boy, do we need Houdinis today to expose not only what's going on today, but we're going to kick it, Lord willing, next time too. It's going on in the church. They're making millions and millions of dollars off of people. But it's okay because you slap Christianese on it. We're going to expose it and do the Houdini on them. Lord willing, next time, let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God out of love gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, The the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief, Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy, even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a a blasphemer. 
The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know, it's actually on historical record, that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. 
Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.